This is an ABC podcast. Nineteen eighty-seven, Hillsville Sanctuary. Sitting around with my brother and my sister, having our little Stras and tomato sauce sandwiches. What could possibly go wrong? Oh, that's right. There's a giant emu heading towards us. I don't know how they... That's not how they talk. They don't talk. They're evil. I know they're on our coat of arms and they're a national emblem. The point is, it took my sister's sandwich. Really upset her. And when my sister got upset, then I got upset. My brother got upset. And ever since then, I don't, I'm not afraid to say it. I hate emus. I don't know hate's a strong word. And I know I shouldn't. And I don't wish them ill, but they just terrify me. Anytime I see one, even from a distance, I think of that Stras and tomato sauce sandwich and, oh, I get angry. Have you ever encountered an emu in the wild? Were you indeed that emu? If so, please get in touch because I've got some saucy words for you. More words are going to flow today from Wenli Ma, film critic who's got more than a bit of a problem when it comes to 3D movies. Plus, my comedy husband, Randy Feltface, is going to go back to the future. We'll check in on how his tour around the United States went this year. And Angela Voipierre finds herself in cyberspace peering into our souls. It's a jam-packed final snack pack for 2022. Thanks for jumping on board. Uh, you know, I, I used to live in Woomera with my family, northern South Australia, my sister and I were walking home from school one day and as the town basically edges on the uh, desert, you would see emus, kangaroos, whatever, going through the town quite regularly. We were a couple of hundred metres away from home when we saw a very large group of about eight emus. There was two two adults and a very, very small little, little group of chicks. Um, the parents saw us. We saw the parents. Parents didn't like us seeing the babies. They started to chase us. Um, chase, so like actively chase you? Actively chase us. My sister and I had run about 200-odd metres from where we were in the middle of the road to get to our house. And then when we reached our front door, we were banging on the front door for our mum to let us in because the emus were still coming for us. It was absolutely terrifying. We got inside the house, told mum what happened, and then just the, the stupidity of it all dawned on us. And because then I walked into my bedroom and what did I see over the back fence? The emus looking over the back fence. Okay, it's time now for a very special guest to vent their spleen and get something off their chest and out there into the world. And we are joined now on the battlefield by none other than Wen Lee Ma, film and TV critic for news.com.au. Wen Lee, we know you as a positive spirit on this show. You're always out there spruiking the joys of the industry that you represent. But today we're asking to see a different side of you. What is the hill that you are going to die on today? In the one corner, me. In the other corner, James Cameron. <laughs> so that's quite the fight. Um, it is 3D movies. I hate 3D movies. <laughs> I hate the whole experience. <laughs> so she says like on the in the week that Avatar 2 is released to great fanfare. It filled me with absolute fear to hear that 3D movies was coming back, that there was going to be four more Avatar movies, and that you just know James Cameron was going to push the 3D envelope again. I can't tell you how grateful I was when it just slowly died a few years ago. I thought, oh my God, people have finally come to their senses. Exhibitors have finally come to their senses. Studios had finally come to their senses. 
that nobody wants to see a 3D movie. Okay, so on definitions here, are you talking about 3D movies where you have to wear the glasses or just 3D movies in general, like the technology shows us 3D things on screen? Uh, 3D movies where you have to wear the glasses because I don't think you can see something without the glasses. The glasses is a big part of why I don't like them. This might be a little bit petty and very much a thing that applies to me and, you know, at least 10% of Australians because – I'm Asian. I don't have a bridge on my nose. How have they still not made glasses that don't slip down every 30 seconds? I do wonder, what are they wearing in Asia and why can't we get them here? Do they have other options in Asia that you're aware of? I actually haven't looked it up. I don't know why I haven't because I've said at the end of every 3D movie, which, you know, to be fair, Avatar 2 was the first one I've seen in about six years. I went... I need to look this up. Surely they're not doing this in Asia. Surely they haven't resorted to occasionally, because I've done this, putting on your sunglasses inside the cinema just to sit the 3D glasses on top so I don't have to fiddle with them for about 20 minutes <laughs> oh. before I go, God, it's really dark and terrible. Wenley, this yeah, is I've, the I've... most specific <laughs> hill of the year. You are currently railing against uh, the shape of Asian noses failing to accommodate uh, 3D glasses, or I should say reverse, the glasses. The other way around. <laughs> <laughs> but I love this. Can I just get this right, though? So I thought that, as you intimated earlier, I thought the, the need to wear 3D glasses died 10 years ago and we're never going to look back. I think I've still got some in some filing cabinet at home. Are you saying the new avatar requires you to wear them? You have to wear them. And it is actually surprising to me that the, those little flimsy glasses have not really changed in the 30, 40 years, pretty much, since you were handed a pair at a theme park, when we, which was yes. pretty much the only time you ever watched a 3D thing. Yeah, you have to go into Avatar, which is three hours and 13 minutes, and you have to wear those silly, silly little glasses the entire time. Technology has not moved on enough for that to not be the case. Aren't they releasing like a secondary version that you can see without the glasses, though? Surely they've been doing that for other ones? or is They've basically not released a proper 3D movie in that many years that no one has changed it. I, you know, it does look amazing. I will say Avatar 2 is visually so cool, but then there is physically, literally, another barrier between yourself and the screen and the story. And that's the other reason I don't like 3D movies because it is, you're so constantly aware of the gimmick itself that it just takes you out of the story at every point where you go, oh, that looks really cool. I wonder how it looks without the 3D glasses and you yes. pull it down and you're like, oh, God, I can't see anything. And then you wiggle your hand around in front of you trying to touch Kate Winslet. Mm-hmm. I mean, speaking of Titanic, James Cameron, yeah. director of that, he needs to, a lesson in brevity because that movie also went for too long. So long. James Cameron has only actually made three movies in 30 years. Well, I guess 28 years because True Lies was 1994, my favourite James Cameron movie. Um, And, yeah, he just loves a super, super long movie. I don't know where his editors have gone. They they seem to have gone AWOL. No one is telling him, please just cut this at like one hour and 47 minutes because that is really how long any movie needs to be. So I was just riding along, uh, just moved to Lara, mm-hmm. and I was riding along in the Serendip Sanctuary. I took a wrong turn, I got completely lost, <laughs> and then I was riding along this plane, and I suddenly saw like about eight emus, and they all looked at me, I don't know if they'd seen the bike before, and they started running towards oh me gosh. in a murderous fashion, <laughs> as I thought. 
And I just like had to bang it and get there out of there as fast as I could. And I somehow managed to escape and nobody died. It's very scary. Well, showbiz is a cruel beast. It lifts you up, it drops you down. And one man who has seen the highs and the lows this year is Randy Feltface. You might know him as a purple-headed performer. I know him as my best friend and comedy husband. Back in 2020, he had a grand plan to travel to the United States and make a fist of it over there on the comedy scene. But then the pandemic arrived and things went a little bit awry. Well, this year he finally got on a plane back in March, but just before he did, he dropped in to speak to us about his plans. And now he's back to reveal how it all went down. Hello, Randy. Welcome to the Snack Pack. I've got every word that we spoke back in March recorded. Are you prepared to pay the piper? I'm ready to pay the piper. And also, can I just quietly say, it's great to see your investigative journalism skills have flourished in my absence. You're really going hard on the emus. That is just some groundbreaking stuff. Tell you what, Randy, you've been out there wiggling your passport away at all sorts of overseas ports with that very animal on it. And you don't Mm. know enough, do you? You just don't know enough about them. No, terrifying creatures, but I love them. I love them. Here's what you said. Here's what you said, Randy, back in March when I asked you what the plan was for your big trip to the States? So if I nail it uh, and make a really tight, beautiful hour of honed stand-up comedy and get it in front of the right people, I will be booking a theatre tour for America for 2023. There'll be TV offers on the table, maybe a cushy writing job. That was you back in March. Randy Feltface, here's the question. Did you nail it? Not really. Not if that was my not if that was my intended outcome. I, I, I look. It was a great year. It was a good a year. year. I had a good year. I had a very, had a very good, good year. year. I had a very good year. But I would say that twenty twenty three is more of a continuation of twenty twenty two. In that I'm still touring. I'm going back to the states with a brand new show. Actually, the world. Actually, you know what? No, no, I did. I did well. I'm I'm moving into some bigger rooms. Yeah. Um, no cushy writing job on the table as yet, but impossible TV, mate. No, I mean, look, I've still got a pitch. It's I'm halfway there. You're in the give hustle. Me another, give me another footy season. Oh, my gosh. Are you asking for an extension of the Future Me segment, Randy? I'm no one's ever done for, this. No, I think that if you give me one more, <laughs> give me one more year at it. And then I will actually achieve no. that prediction. We designed this segment for a nice, clean narrative arc. We had you to no. finish our year on a big high. We were expecting no. nothing short of Conan appearances by now. Yeah. Well, Conan's not on the air anymore. Well, so that's your problem, isn't it? You're no, never going to appear a, on Conan. Yeah, I need another 12 months. Okay. I need another 12 months. Randy, this is what I asked with you about what your best gig would be. This is what you predicted. Okay. What oh, do you God. predict might be the best gig that you're going to do in the next six months? I am hoping, Sammy, that I'll manage to uh, shoehorn my way into the Montreal Just for Laughs Comedy Festival and have an absolutely blistering televised gala in front of 3,000 people in a, one of their massive theatres there. Renowned comedian Randy Feltface, did you get to Montreal? I did. Oh. That one actually came true. He's done I it. How got- was it? Yeah, I was phenomenal. It was probably my favourite gig of the entire tour. I got to Montreal and then I was on a gala hosted by Patton Oswalt and it was nothing short of delightful. I mean, I also did solo shows in Montreal and it was the beginning of my tour, so those ones are a little bit patchy at times, so we won't talk about those. But I tell you what, the yeah. gala was an absolute thrill. So, yes, okay. yes, I did that. I did that. 
I did that now, one. Now we're talking uh, turkey or indeed uh, uh, <laughs> emu. Ooh. Oh, look Randy, out. I've got to ask what your weirdest gig was because this is what you thought it might be when I asked you. What do you reckon oh, the no. weirdest gig is going to be? My first big gigs are at uh, MGM uh, Grand in Springfield, Massachusetts, <laughs> which I believe is some sort of casino uh, situation. I'm predicting the show will be undercooked, the audience will be baffled, and I'm doing five shows there over a weekend, and I will be walking out of there uh, being handed a paycheck from uh, some sort of very confused and um, potentially irritated casino man. Did that happen, Randy? And what was the weirdest gig in reality? That is terrifyingly accurate. <laughs> but I, I, it was it was the first shows of the tour. Those sh- like MGM Grand, the the venue is like an old heritage armory building that looks like a castle that the casino has just sort of absorbed in its pursuit of real estate. It's like <laughs> if Hogwarts was funded by gambling. And it would, those shows were fine. They were pretty good. The audience were good, yeah. but there was a little bit of baffling uh, check handover situation post-show. But I think maybe the weirdest moment I had on tour was when I, sh- I did a show in Dublin and I got the best heckle of the entire tour. Yeah. Um, out of nowhere, apropos of nothing, uh, a slight pause in my speech in the show and a young man in the audience yelled out, I lost my virginity this morning, <laughs> just for no reason. And then we spent the next 20 minutes dissecting this I mean, child's life. You can spend your whole life preparing, but you know sometimes you can't expect a comedy gift to come out of the ether just like that. No, it was, it was phenomenal. But, yeah, no, that, that MGM show was a little bit, well, uh, bit weird. Love you, Randy. I'm coming back. I love you too. Get Don't back on a plane me. and make something of yourself. And coming it's up, such uh, a lonely life. Get off the choice. line. You're not meant to still be I there. I miss the duo. This is the Sammy J Snack Pack. Okay, whilst recording this podcast, I have had a letter from the Emu Lovers Association. Uh, they're not happy with what I said in the intro. They want me to formally retract my hatred of emus. And I'm not going to do it. No, come at me, emus, with your big army. We all know how that went down back in the... Oh, actually, no, hang on. The Emus won the Great Emu Award, didn't they? Okay, no, I'm really sorry. I I will serve you, our two-legged overlords, in whatever capacity I can. I took my my, um, year one class to the zoo one year, and it was wintertime, and they had all their hats and coats and scarves and everything on, and one little girl was standing too close to the uh, fence, and the Emu, she was holding her gloves in her hand, her woolen winter gloves in her hand, the emu stretched over, snatched one out, she squealed and burst into tears and the rest of the class thought it was hilarious because they could see the glove going down the throat and the neck slowly down the neck of the emu. How well do you know yourself? Like, how well do you really know yourself? Because whatever you think... Move along, because Google knows more than you do about you than you ever will. It knows all about what we've been searching for, and it's just dropped the list of our most Googled terms, phrases, and questions this year. To help us sift through our own psyches, I am joined by cultural attaché and host of the ABC pop culture podcast, Schmeitgeist. It's Ange Lavoie-Pierre. Ange, do you feel seen by this list? Uh, In some parts, in in some ways I think I'm like, you know, I'm I'm perhaps not totally typical, but I did I like okay, so the number one word I did feel seen, the number one search for twenty twenty two for Australians was and this is wild because we were talking about this twelve months ago, 
Wordle. Wordle. It's still Wordle. It's still Wordle. And I was like, are people trying to work out what it is? Are people just like trying to find it in their browser so they can then play it every day? I know I play it every morning still. Or maybe they're cheating. Anyway, so look, there are all sorts of reasons that people might be Googling Wordle, but they're doing it. It is the number one search for Australians um, from 2022. Well, it's it's at least it's a... Um it's a positive sort of, you know, friendly, heartwarming word, isn't it? It's not yeah. like they're well, Googling murder. No, it's... Right. Imagine if they were. It's it's very pure. You know, I think even, like, were it another game, like, I was thinking... I was thinking after I saw this list about, you know, what kind of... You know, what Wordle says about what we want in 2022. And, you know, if you can contrast it to say... I don't know if you ever played Candy Crush, if you remember Candy oh, yes. Crush. yes. Candy Crush is like the game that didn't want you to do anything else with your life. Like, Candy Crush was like, you like don't speak to your partner. You don't need to eat. You certainly <laughs> don't need to go for a run. You just need to play Candy Crush until you die. But Wordle is like, no, one and you're done. Yeah, and it, it, it sort of respects the rest get. of your life as well. So it can fit in around yeah. family and work commitments. It's so respectful. It's the, the purest, most respectful game. And COVID, on the other hand, is not very respectful. And it seems that we were asking a lot of questions of Google when it comes to the big C. People ask the question, can dogs get COVID, right? That was one of the top searches um, for, for Australians this year. And I, and I laughed when I saw that question. You know, I was, I was skeptical. I went, ha, what a pack of idiots we all are, as if dogs can get COVID. Thought, you know what, I'll just punch it in and yeah. see what happens. Can dogs get COVID? What? They can. They totally can. Studies showing that even uh, it is, so there, were, there were upbeat about it. They said, fortunately, pets don't appear to be highly vulnerable to COVID-19. Fewer than 4% of dogs and cats are oh. infected. That's still heaps of dogs yeah. and cats. Fine for you if you're in the lucky COVID. 96% of COVID-free dogs, but that's still a big whack. Yeah, and they're not getting the vaccine. You know, <laughs> they're like, and we don't, we don't have antivirals for dogs. They've just got to suffer through it, poor souls. Wh- so that was... <laughs> Yeah, so we're learning. We're still learning. Now, the top question on a much more serious note was regarding uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. That was the, why yes. did Russia invade Ukraine? People still using the internet to, dare I say, learn stuff about the world. Well, look, and I think that's that's possibly, you know, that's the best, maybe the best application uh, mm. for, for Google, right? You know, we, we love to see that and that was a big question and there are so many answers to it. But closely following why is Russia invading Ukraine in the why is stakes? Mm-hmm. Why is plain yogurt good for females? That was the number two. <laughs> why question. is why is plain also, yogurt good for females? Good for females. Also, the formulation of that as well. Not like good for women. It's good for females. Why like it, is it, plain so sounds... yogurt good for females? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, I've plugged it in as well. The answers are not like... The, the short answer is I don't know that it especially is... Yep. Good for women or particular, like one of the top, the top page or the second top, I think, um, the headline for that, for that top result was five foods for vaginal health. Yep. So, but I don't know that that was ultimately really sustained in, you know, they're not really um, peer reviewed. Yes, maybe it's sort of, that, yes. you know what I mean? You, so know, potentially, like you could easily ask why is kale good for <laughs> But, you know, when TikTok mean, like, trends get out of control. It was followed, though, by why is petrol so expensive? So it's really bouncing between the global issues and the body-related issues, isn't it, these questions? Yeah, we're petty as hell. <laughs> and we... Well, <laughs> like, the one other highlight for me that I couldn't leave behind, yep. and I don't actually really have the answers for this one, was the how to cook. In the how to cook stakes, 
you'll never guess what the number one thing we wanted to know how to cook was. Late it's on like us. it's an answer straight out of 1920-something. I don't know. How to cook tripe. And I think we can now officially say 2022 Get in the bin. This has been the final snack pack for the year. Thank you so much for subscribing, for listening, and to my breakfast radio team at ABC Radio Melbourne who have done all the hard work in sourcing all the wonderful guests. In particular, Ross Kavanagh, the sound wizard through the glass, who's lovingly compiled all of these episodes for your listening pleasure. Hope you have a wonderful Christmas. Looking forward to hanging out again in your eardrums in 2023. Take it easy. Hi, Philip Clark here from Nightlife. It might seem like too much of a good thing isn't good for you, but a little bit more nightlife won't hurt. Indira Naidu and I have everything you need to get you through the night on ABC Radio seven nights a week. And as for that little bit more, well, I'd like to invite you to listen to the Nightlife podcast. It's some of the bits you may have missed from the program available any time of the day. Some guests will make you laugh and some will make you cry and you'll always learn something new. It might even give you an edge for the mighty challenge. Hmm, There's only one way to find out. Make sure to add the Nightlife podcast to your favourites. You can find it now on the ABC Listen app.